This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Were the hit songs of the 1980s more scandalous than you remember? Well, that's the rumor that I heard. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend and my co-host, Ray. How are we doing today? I'm doing great. So uh, today we're going to be talking about songs from the 1980s that wouldn't fly today. So, you know, it occurred to us that there's a number of hit songs in the 1980s that had lyrics that maybe at the time didn't seem questionable, but now with the benefit of hindsight wonder how we got away with it then, and whether we'd get away with it now. Well, I think maybe it could be that people only knew the chorus. <laughs> yes, you know what? I think there are some <laughs> songs on, the, on, the, on this list that um, had uh, lyrics that were misunderstood. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's some accounting for it. And a little bit later, we'll be speaking with the frontman for Ape Fight, Mr. Don Ape himself, about... Ape fight and his process, but and, and his inappropriate lyrics. <laughs> yes, and, yes. And ape fight. You're not familiar. You you will be, but they have a number of songs with inappropriate lyrics that are great songs. Um, in the eighties, they they probably would have had a number of hits, but maybe probably. Not today. In any case, we'll do that in a moment. But before that, let's get caught up on eighties news. So a few stories. There's a whole lot of Ghostbusters updates and a new Ghostbusters. I'm not going to give them all to you now. Maybe we'll talk about them later. People are probably getting bored with that. But, you know, I'll just touch on them real quickly. One is we have a possible name for the movie came out. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ooh, fancy. So you're okay with that name? Yeah, as long as the movie's good, I don't care what they call it. Because this created, like, you know, some people are rallying. Okay, here's the reason people have an issue with it. It's not called Ghostbusters 3. There's no number in it. So what people's concern is, is that uh, folks won't necessarily realize or understand that it's a continuation of Ghostbusters 1 and 2. If you don't know that already, there's something wrong with you because it's like in the news every three minutes. So Right. Yeah. And also, I guess the hope is, even though it doesn't say that, you wouldn't necessarily, even though it's a continuation, you wouldn't have to see 1 and 2 to appreciate 3 because you're going to be bringing in a whole new fans, hopefully. Yeah, but I think most everybody's going to watch one and two before they see three, so... I suppose. <laughs> Unless they're a baby. Yeah. Now, have your children seen Ghostbusters 1 uh, and 2? Of course. Okay. Mine, Multiple times. Mine as well. I it's, was thinking... It's it's like watching Star Wars. You Don't ask somebody if they've seen Ghostbusters or their kids have seen Ghostbusters. Of course. I mean, if you're from the 80s, your kids have seen Ghostbusters. Well, you know, you say that, and I was thinking, you know, we should do a segment, uh, we failed our children, and I'm, I'm trying to work on a little theme, theme thing for it, too, because uh, it occurred to me that um, so, so Terminator Dark Fate came out a couple of weekends ago, and the mm-hmm. box office was down, and some, I, can't, I couldn't find where I had read this originally, but they talked to some younger folks about the movie, and they said, you know, we don't even know what that is, what's, what's Terminator? Which then made me think, wait a second. I haven't shown my children. Well, I wouldn't show my. I wouldn't show my youngest youngest the say, movies, but I do have a teenager, <laughs> and she hasn't seen Terminator One or Two, and I've been meaning to. I just haven't. Have Have your children? Well, you have a young no. one and an older one. Nope. You know why? Because those are eighty specific movies. Yeah. 
and they don't translate well with the sequels. Mm-hmm. Had all the sequels been good, like if it was like Back to the Future good, yeah. then yes, everyone would have seen it. But the sequels are so goddamn bad. No, the sequels are terrible. That it ruins the legacy. And that's why we haven't showed our kids those movies. Hmm. Had they stopped after one and two, or even yeah. three, my kids would probably have seen it. Yeah. Even with uh, Arnold's big, dumb, naked ass in the beginning of that movie. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I, there's probably lots of reasons why Dark Fate didn't do well that have nothing to do with that. But in any case, uh, so Ghostbusters is not three, but, but the other it point... It still is three. And the other point people made, though, was about that Ghostbusters thing was, is that if it's not named three, are people that aren't familiar with it going to think it has, it's part of the continuity of the Ghostbusters with the, with the all-female cast? <laughs> I feel sorry for those people in general. Oh, no. I, that movie was fine. It was fine. It really sucked. It didn't suck, but that it movie was sucked. Um, anyway, the real thing, I, 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 look, I wasted five minutes talking about that just to tell you that uh, on IGN.com, uh, they, did, they did a poll of upcoming uh, sequels that are coming out, including um, Ghostbusters, Top Gun, The Grudge, uh, Bad Boys. And the movie that came out as the number one movie franchise that folks are looking forward to the continuation of is Ghostbusters by 32%. So an 80s film, even today, people are clamoring for to see the sequel. Yeah, that's good news because those other movies are good, but they're not Ghostbusters good. So Right. But that also leads up to expectations. Right. So if this thing is bad, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to a whole snowball effect on the social media. Right. Which oh. we, we don't want, so be good. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, it, it, okay, so enough about that. Again, there's more, but I, I'm not going to say it all. Okay, so mm-hmm. anyway, another story I wanted to bring to your, t- to your attention was that in the New York Times, that's like a legitimate you know, paper there. Yeah, right? I've heard of that one. Yeah, this just past week came out an article titled, In a Chaotic World, Dungeons and Dragons is Resurgent. And it points out that you know the role-playing game, which is 45 years old now, is making a comeback. You know, of course, I thought, well... It's not news to us. Never went away for me, so... Yeah, yeah. never went away for you. But um, new people are discovering it. Um, are we glad that more, more people are discovering this thing that you've been playing, you haven't stopped playing since you were a teenager? Uh, actually, I started when I was 10, so yeah. Oh. I'm super excited to bring more people into the hobby. Um, it's a different game, obviously, from it was back then. But at the heart of it all, it still brings people in to experience something that... Um, you don't get a lot today. You don't get a lot of the experience of sitting with your friends, even if it is online or whatever, in a setting where you have to solve problems together as a group. Most of these games, you run around and kill each other. Yeah. Or solve riddles or whatever, but it's all individual, mostly, with the online games. So Dungeons & Dragons is a cooperative game where each person takes a role. Right. So I like that the new generation is into it. It shows that they're really cool in a way that they'd never shown before. Yep. Like, they don't like to work or do stuff like that, but <laughs> as long as they like Dungeons and Dragons, I'm on board. There's not a class of character where it has me just sitting at home playing on my iPad? Yeah, yeah if they like Dungeons and Dragons, then this generation is okay in my book. I want to cast third-level third, third swipe. Yes. Or something like that. Yes. Yeah, and you can't escape, I mean, one of the reasons it's resurgent, or we know it's resurgent, is you can't escape pop culture in today that has it, you know, whether you're talking about Stranger Things or mm-hmm. different shows where they have characters playing it or referring to it. Um, but yeah, they, changed the, they did change the game to suit their needs, which was smart, 
So is it the same name? Yes. Is it a different game? Yes. But in oh, here we go. The overall scheme of things, same game in the long run. Could so. do anything in five E. Well, you can. All right. You this, know that's my bitch. There's a whole episode that it's Ray will, coming. Ray will get to get all of his gripes out about the current. This is going to be real deep nerd stuff when we get to it. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Okay, in other 80s news, and this is, you know, quote 80s news, it has to do with vinyl records. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to get dark on the show here, but do you have any plans for your demise? Are we talking once you're gone, Mm -hmm. and you've passed on, and you you come back and haunt me as a ghost? You're going into a coffin, you're going straight into the earth, you know, they do kind of a natural thing where they just wrap you in something that's biodegradable and stick you in a hole. Well, as you know my personality, once I stop breathing... I don't care what happens. So Kiss Coffin is okay? They can throw me in the garbage on, <laughs> you know, Friday morning or whatever day garbage night is. Would you go into the recycle, the green recycling one or the trash? I would definitely go in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a company. Here, here's another option for you because, oh. you know, maybe what you'd consider is cremation, you know. if, if mm-hmm. And if, you don't, if you're not concerned about the afterlife, then you probably feel comfortable with cremation. Some folks Which is fine. that are worried about what happens afterwards. Ooh. So yeah. If they're going to cremate me, I would like to be put into a set of D&D dice. Oh, my goodness. So that all my generations after me, can, can when they want to roll a special roll, they can use the dice with Grandpa in it. You know, you just, wow. I think you just stole mm. my thunder here because I was going to tell to you that there's a company that for a fee, they won't put you into dice, oh, but it. they will press you into a vinyl record. Really? A playable vinyl record. Wow. Yeah. Do, do, does it just say, like, um, help me? Help me. <laughs> if you play backwards, it's yeah. like, well, Ozzy, if you help me. <laughs> or what was that? It was like Ozzy is the devil. I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to remember what those, some like of those that. famous backtrack ones. Um, so for if you have, just for a measly, uh, and this is probably not all that different than buying a coffin, really, but the minimum cost is uh, about $1,200, but you Oof. can spend as much as $4,600 to have yourself pressed for all, in wow. all of eternity into a vinyl record. I know Chessex sells their dice for $9, <laughs> so if, I, if anyone from the company would like to put me inside of a set of dice yeah. for $9, I would be down for that. I'm thinking the best thing I could offer you is buying some Chessex dice, having you cremated, hmm. maybe putting the dice in there, maybe spraying it with some... Uh, Mod Podge or some... Some Gorilla Glue. Some Gorilla Glue, and then, like, shake and bake. It'll be like a shake and bake thing. It's shake and bake, and I help. And then, when you roll, you probably won't be able to see the numbers very well. Yeah. have to scrape out the numbers. If I'm inside the dice, they're all ones. Don't worry about <laughs> oh, it. I would not say that. Now, we do have friends. I'm thinking about one friend who would probably be all ones, but um, mm. I would not say that about you. Wow. Thanks, buddy. Because that's how much I think about you. <laughs> All right. Well, anything you have anything to add for 80s news? I do not have anything for 80s news. All right. Then that was 80s news. Dun, 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 dun. Ack. So um, today we're talking about songs in the 1980s, many of which were, all of these, I think, on the, on the songs that we're going to talk about today, were hits, huge hits. Some of the groups, it was the only hit they had, maybe. But there were other groups on here that, you know, had artists, included artists that had many hits. And at the time... Many of these songs didn't strike us as weird or strange or controversial. Um, and maybe it's like you said, we didn't know what they were saying, so I can't think of an example like that offhand, but maybe we'll have one as we go across this. Um, and I'm curious, you know, what you think about whether, whether well, I guess a couple of questions. One, whether someone should have sang it in the first place. Uh-huh. Maybe it shouldn't have been popular in the 1980s either. Um, and also whether it would fly today. Okay, so without further ado... 
considering the time of year, and also whether you think these are really controversial, because I got these from, I'll tell you the list as I go. So the first, and I'm going to bounce around from a couple of lists, but the, the first one I have in front of me is a list by Maeve McDermott and Patrick Ryan. It was featured in USA Today in October of 2018. Uh, 20 politically incorrect songs that'd be wildly controversial today. Um, first song from 1984 by Band-Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? <laughs> Yes. The, offhand, does that strike you as a song that would be considered controversial? Um, I do remember this one, and I don't think at the time most of us thought it was controversial. Yeah. But looking back, there are some weird things in that song. Um, there's, what is it? there's something about water. Well, yeah, like yeah, Africa yeah. has no water. <laughs> yes. yes. Which so, I always thought was weird, but, but it's a song. So, so he, here... There won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time, which is <laughs> which that's is, probably so far good, right? <laughs> that's pretty obvious. The greatest gift they'll get this year is life. Yeah, yeah. Where nothing ever grows, no rain or rivers flow, do they know it's Christmas time at all? So the, the, the point of contention here is they've taken the entire continent of <laughs> Africa, yeah. reduced it geographically to one area that's you know suffering with famine and deserts. When... As you know, the continent of Africa is enormous with great diverse, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cultures, geographic areas, businesses, et cetera, et cetera. And water. And plenty of water <laughs> if you know where to find it. Yep. Do you uh, think uh, that, at, so at the time, like you said, we didn't think that this was inappropriate, but... Um, this song reminds me of Get Him to the Greek. Okay. With... Um, Is that uh, Russell Brand? Russell Brandt. And he sings that song at the beginning. Hmm, I don't African remember Child, I believe, is the name of okay. it. Okay, it's vaguely familiar. I think these guys were just so stupid, like the yeah. character in the movie, uh-huh. that they don't realize what they're saying is offensive. Yeah, uh, yes. Look, it was well-intentioned. So as long as all the rock stars complete stupidity, yeah. we're good to go. So I think they could get away with it again. Hmm. And you know what? I would say they can get away with it again, too, because even to this day, probably, certainly in America, everybody thinks Africa's a country— and it's probably all exactly the same, you know, no matter where you go, as far as it's all deserts, it's all famine, it's all death. You know what, though? How do these guys have never heard of Toto? Oh, I guess okay. the rain's down in Africa. <laughs> How did they miss that? Yeah, talk about missing, messing up lyrics. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, and I don't, I don't know for sure, I bless the rains. Yeah, whatever. But I like the way you say it because it ties to this song. It's like, I guess there's rain down in Africa. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I heard from the other song, there's no water. Yeah. All right. So right. Um, yeah. here's another one. Um, Turning Japanese by The Vapors in 1980. The lyric uh, that I'm referring to is, I'm turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, which is, you know, it's the course of the whole mm. song. Do you know what people thought this was referring to at the time? Well, I've heard rumors and speculations that okay. this is about masturbation. Yeah, yes. So one variation or another, people said this is the face you make when you're... Mm-hmm. Pleasing yourself or being pleased, I guess, or in the throes of ecstasy. So, but why it might seem insensitive is because, you know, it's a group of white guys assuming uh, Asian identity. The only thing I find offensive about this song is that uh, that Dunst girl did a remake of it oh, recently. Know. Okay. And she's got on like anime clothes and she's running around. Like, oh, Japan. I saw that. Uh, um, yeah. Kirsten Dunst, right. Or China, wherever she's running around. She's in Japan, yeah. Yeah, wherever she's running around. But she's just, it's her bothering people. Yes. And it's not even a good version, so. That was weird, wasn't it? That's a horrible version. Yeah, that's from a few years ago. It was shot by a director that she was dating at the time. who's a well-known guy. I can't think of who it is offhand. But that's weird, too, because 
that's even worse. But she doubled down. Yeah. She really did. Because you got a white girl in Japan <laughs> dressing like she's Japanese, singing about turning Japanese. And bothering people. Yeah. I'm surprised she didn't get arrested for her singing. Yeah. Well, the the uh, right the authors of the song, and I can't remember the name of the gentleman. I think I have it here somewhere. The Vapors. The Vapors. Well, yeah, and, and the songwriter, <laughs> what he said, what he was writing about, and why he used that phrase was he had broken up with a girl. The song was essentially about uh, you know a relationship that came to an end, and he had been so distraught, as I remember, over it, he didn't feel like himself. You know, he was just that sort of out of body experience of having gone through some sort of you know emotional thing. He wanted to just use something to describe something as different as he is. And so yeah. Japanese was the thing. That song has some cool lyrics in it, too, yeah. though. There's, yeah. like, the line about Cyclone Rangers and stuff like that that just make no sense. Wait, and, and, okay. Now you, now you remind me. That's not, that's one of the, now you, we could do a whole episode on misheard lyrics. I Everyone look, around me is a total stranger. Yeah. Everyone around me is a Cyclone Ranger. Everyone. All right, now I'm going to have to look it up because. You can look it up. I looked this up recently, and I, I think, know this one way better than the, right, the rain see, in Africa. Let me get this right. Uh, this will be uh, you making up for that Ray Bradbury, Stephen King thing mm-hmm. a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Cyclone Ranger. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think now offhand what I used to think it was. <laughs> Everyone around me is a total stranger. Everyone around, I can't remember. Yeah. In any case, but yeah, but this one also has that lyric in about, um, I want a doctor to take a picture of you so I can see you from the inside. Which is also kind of creepy in itself. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably get away with that today, but um, yeah, it's not as offensive as, I guess, cultural appropriation. <laughs> well, the, the dun 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 I think a lot of people have a problem with that part, too. <laughs> I forgot about that in the first <laughs> yeah. few seconds already. Oh my goodness, you're right. Okay, here's one from 1983 by Genesis, Illegal Alien. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, if anybody doesn't know, the chorus is, it's no fun being an illegal alien. The, the writers of the article that I mentioned, or this list I mentioned, point out that the message and the story are seemingly well-intentioned, uh, detailing a Mexican Im- immigrants struggled across the border. But the video is racist because it puts the thing in a whole different light, saying that um, you've got stereotypical imagery of Mexicans wearing mar- uh, with mariachi horns, wearing sombreros with oversized mustaches. Yeah, it makes you wonder if they didn't have Mel Brooks as the director on that video. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a little blazing saddle-ish. How did they get so... So Genesis had a good message, and then they completely blew it when it came to the video. Okay, so here here is another one. And again, these are all 80s songs with lyrics that... We we're trying to figure out, would they fly today? I don't know if they'd fly today. This one is... And some of them... Or I'm just going to skip, because it's... Clearly, they wouldn't fly today. So any... What do you mean? Like what? Okay, so I'll give you two. Um... We've got One in a Million by Guns N' Roses, and the uh, other one is uh, that Dire Straits song. What is it? Money for Nothing. Money for Nothing. Yeah. So they both use the F word for well, uh, yeah. so a slur for Guns N' Roses people. takes it a little bit farther than that. Yes. They do. Yes. And his explanation is kind of lousy. Okay. Because so, um, if you look at in the inside of that album, they actually apologize for it in right. the album sleeve before the album even comes out. Oh, is that right? Yep. Yeah, I don't remember, I don't remember what his explanation is, but... In any case, in that song, One in a Million, he uses a lot of, he uses derogatory terms for gay people, for, for African-American people. Yeah. He slams a lot of people, and I'm, I'm not, I was going to say, I'm not going to include those because it's easy, it's an easy call. They're, they wouldn't well, fly yeah, today. Yeah, that wouldn't fly today, but his excuse was, is I'm from a small town. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he knew enough when he did the liner notes. He but, knew the second he recorded it you know, that he did something bad, but yeah. controversy sells albums too. So, okay, so how about this one? This one's a little more um, questionable. Um, 
1982, Paul McCartney teamed up with Stevie Wonder to sing Ebony and Ivory. So the lyrics are Ebony and Ivory living together in perfect harmony side by side on my piano keyboard. Oh, Lord, why don't we? It's a good message. I say this one's fine and would fly today. I just think people are looking too far into this one. Yeah. I think it's just a we're all united kind of song. And yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it other than people yeah. just try to find something wrong with it, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in, this, in this list, they, they, the authors point out, they say that um, you know, the, the, the one lyric that's um, people are the same, there's good and bad in everyone, let's just get along. It just it, yeah. it oversimplifies race relations and uh, is very naive. But I agree. The message is well intended. It's not racist. I couldn't, you couldn't say it's racist. Or yeah, once again, if they were going back and forth with jokes at each other yep. that were racial, then I would say that song would be on the list. But the way it is, I think that one would fly today. Hmm. Yeah, I, th- I, I think so too. Okay, so here's, um, yeah, so here's another one. Again, is this, would this be offensive today? From 1987, Aerosmith's. You know what I'm going to say? Uh, it's probably going to be Dude Looks Like a Lady. <laughs> yes, Dude Looks Like a Lady. So the song is about uh, singing about seeing a, a woman. You think you're looking at an attractive woman. Actually, it's more than that. It's a story about a guy who falls in love with. I think, you know, they get intimate. You know, I think at some point in the song, he even knows it's a man, but it, it doesn't make a difference at that point because the dude looks like a lady and he's just, he's all in. Um, mm. But one of the lyrics includes, she had the body of a Venus. Lord, imagine my surprise. Dude looks like a lady. You, do you know the story behind this? Um, I I know a Wanna, little bit. Um, there's a few, and there's a few stories floating. Something out, about a stripper. There's something with the stripper. Yeah, it turns out that one's not true. And, uh-huh. the, and the story that was a story that flew around for a while was that um, uh, it was Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, and some some of the guys from Motley Crue were at a strip club together, and they saw a really attractive stripper that they were liking, and it turned out it was really a man. But I confirmed through two different sources that I could find, and it was. I think Steve Tyler telling the story and Desmond Child, who wrote it, who actually is an openly gay man, I learned, uh, which may be relevant to our considering whether this should be considered controversial or not. And also, um, what's his name from Motley Crue, Neil? Um, Vince Neil? Vince Neil. Vince Neil confirmed this in his biography, too. Um, the story actually is Steve Tyler and Joe Perry go to a bar, are admiring an attractive blonde woman who turns around, and it's Vince Neil. <laughs> I could see that. So Steve Tyler was working on a song with Desmond Child, who I mentioned uh, that Steve Tyler had given him the premise and some of the lyrics, and it was cruising for ladies. Mm. And Desmond Child said, that's boring. Everybody talks about that. What else you got? And he said, well, there was this one time I was at this bar. (laughs) And so he told that story, and so it became Dude Looks Like a Lady. Would it fly today? Yeah. I'll I'll say yes. I think if you know what's going on, it could probably Uh, fly. Yeah. Because when that song came out, I still had really long blonde hair. Yeah. And when I was in the car, I would get a lot of dudes flying up next to me at stoplights, <laughs> just disgusted when they realized I was a guy. <laughs> so did that make you feel like you could relate to the song and it was good? Uh, it was well, yeah, it, just, it just made me laugh, though, and it made me think of the song every time it happened. Okay. Um, but I, I think it's a, a harmless little song. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, in our culture again today, probably you wouldn't get past Dude Looks Like a Lady, and they'd be like, turn it off. That's bad. <laughs> Although this author points out that part of the challenge it may have today is that uh, it's used by some media organizations like Fox News. There was a, they they give an example that when they were reporting on Chelsea Manning, they were playing the song. Yeah. So that might be problematic. It, that is problematic. I should say that's it, a problem. That is but problematic. that's not Aerosmith's fault. Yep. 
Okay, so that those are the ones from that list. And then I found yeah. another list from October of this year, 2019. Uh, it's 50 popular songs from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s that won't, wouldn't fly today. Okay, and this is uh, an article I found, or a list I found on Spindity, S-P-I-N-D-I-T-T-Y, by someone who calls themselves Flourish Anyway. So thanks, Flourish Anyway. In any case, so from, from that list, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pair two together. Okay. Because um, I think they deal with something that's maybe even three together, but I'll, I'll, I'll take one at a time. All right, so two together here. Van Halen, Hot for Teacher, mm-hmm. and a song by the police, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yeah, I'm not a big police fan. So in the Hot for Teacher, it seems like it's a student singing about, you know, lusting over his attractive teacher, mm-hmm. right? And in the police song, it's similar, if you, if you don't know. Sting was a teacher at one point, and in the song, it's a song about a teacher, you know, leering, lusting after a young student of his. And I think in the song, it also talks about certainly being reciprocal. She's got the hots for him. He's got the hots for her, you know, that sort of thing. That don't fly. Okay. <laughs> that one's out There's the no window. There's no question. Okay. That one's definitely yeah. out the window. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. And the other one is a tongue-in-cheek look at... Hot for teacher? Hot for teachers is a tongue-in-cheek look at uh, yeah. <laughs> how a, a young male thinks. Yeah. If you watch the video, you will definitely understand that that song is a joke and is meant to be taken yeah. in a funny way. Give me something to write on! Yeah. Um, and the, the author, Flourish anyway, points out here that this song was before the Mary Kay Latorno legal case, uh, which was the first, sure, there was, sure it happened before, but certainly the first well-known, publicized case of a teacher having slept with a student. And then she became pregnant and had his child, I believe, right? I that? believe that's what the movie uh, That's My Boy is based off of. Is that of, right? Probably. Oh, That's My Boy? Oh, yeah. my goodness. You're right. Yes. That's Adam Sandler, right? Yeah. And uh, the uh, other one. Yeah, uh, Nick. Nick no, somebody. Uh, uh, Sandberg. Oh, and, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Andy Sandberg and Andy, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Those oh, two together yes. are that's actually funny. A good, that's actually funny. Yeah. That's one of his funnier ones. Okay. So, and I thought was interesting uh, is that... Uh, at the time the song came out, which uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me, which came out in 1980, uh, Sting said the song was, um, he wanted to write a song about sexuality in the classroom. I'd done mm. teaching, this is a quote, I'd done teaching, practicing, practice at secondary schools and been through the business of having 15-year-old girls fancying me and me really fancying them. He probably should have made a better video with more funny stuff happening <laughs> and that it wouldn't be so creepy. <laughs> Give me something to write on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he um he later though in two thousand one said that the song was not autobiographical. So he since hmm. distanced himself from these stories. But um, you got Winger in there somewhere. No, what's Winger? I mean, I know who Winger. She's only seventeen. Was that, that an eighty song? She was only seventeen. That is a big hit from the eighties, actually. Okay. And actually, when he plays it now, yeah, he actually sings the lyrics as um, she's only thirty. Seven or something like that. He changed it for live. He says he's embarrassed now. Well, you know what? I don't even want to get at this. It's gross to even say but to go down was, this path of trying to help he, this guy. He was like thirty when that song came. All out. right, that's so. right. There's not unquestionable then. All right, yeah. that's that's bad. Yeah. Um, okay. What about this one? This one seems a less okay. I'll just put it to you. A less controversial, sort of even when it came out. But would it fly today? Mm-hmm. Motley Crue, 1985, smoking in the boys' room. Yes, everything Motley Crue ever wrote would be okay today. <laughs> Can't wait to see him on tour this and that's coming your, summer. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry, I'm glad you gave me an unbiased, objective opinion. I will, I'm Crue. not going to say anything bad about the Motley Crue songs. And so. unlike Metallica, they haven't tried to rip anybody off, I guess, with their ticket sales, so you're, they're still good with you. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Jesse, all right, so Josie Cotton. Remember mm, Josie Cotton? I do. 
1981's, and you, you reminded me of this song, 1981's Johnny Are You Queer? Now, mm-hmm. I did some digging into this, but so, so some of the lyrics for the song are, Why are you so weird, boy? Johnny, are you queer, boy? When I make a play, you're pushing me away. Johnny, are you queer? So the song is about, if it's, I don't know that it came out from those lyrics I shared, but the idea that um, that feeling when you fall in love with someone or attract to someone who is attracted to someone else generally, but in this one, it's attracted to a different sex altogether. So the song is about a woman who's attracted to a man who turns out to be gay. Or, or well, she suspects he's gay. Technically, we'd never find out if he's gay or not. She's trying to find out. That's true. He could just be shy. So Josie Cotton, I found a piece that she wrote herself. And I don't know if this is true, but she said a few things that I thought were interesting. One, she said at the time it came out, it was equal parts popular. Um, and I, it was, she... she um, Performed it on a TV show. She formed it, I think, on New Year's Rock and Eve. Square Pegs. She was on Square Pegs. She had all these acting jobs come up as a result. She was very popular. And she said a lot of gay men came up to her and said, it empowered me. I felt empowered. I felt you're singing about, you know, gay men in a song that's popular. I felt like I could come out, you know. But equal parts, it seemed like there were organizations that said, you know, you're making, you're, you're making it sound like it's bad to be gay. It's minimalizing sort of the experience, you know, the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's true. Maybe both, maybe, maybe really was true. That, that wasn't controversial. And it was controversial. Sounds to me like she just wants to find out. That's all it sounds like to me. Yeah. Like, am I ugly to you? Or yeah. are you not into women? Or what's your deal? Are you shy? So that one, once again, is done in a playful way, not in a hurtful way. But would it fly today? Well, if Taylor Swift can have it in her songs and it's very derogatory, then I say yes. Hmm. Let's see. I got a couple more in no particular order. Um, wow, you know, I realized I should have saved one to really end on a big note. I don't, nah. I don't know that any of these could be. But here's one. You'll remember. Do you remember Julie Brown? And I'm not talking downtown. Downtown Julie Brown? No, the other the Julie Brown. Yes. She okay. was also on MTV. So it was a yes. confusing time in the 80s. Yeah, it was not easy to figure out who was who. Do you remember her popular song? I do not. The Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun. You don't remember that one? Yeah, I kind of do now. So um, in a sense, and I'll give you, in short, it's about a homecoming queen who takes As, a, pulls yeah. a gun out and starts shooting students. Um, some of the lines include uh, Debbie smiling and waving her gun, picking <laughs> off cheerleaders one by one. Um, she talks about how, oh, good, the math teacher's been killed. I guess now we won't have a quiz on Monday, that sort of thing. Yeah, obviously, from my punk rock background, there's a lot of songs like that in punk rock, but yeah. for that to be mainstream wouldn't make it today. Yeah. Now, she said that at the time, she was writing it as a parody of songs that were popular in the 50s and 60s where, I hadn't even occurred to me, but songs of that era, like Teen Angel, were about teens that had died. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there were, apparently there were, I think they referred to them as death songs, like teen death songs that were popular in the 50s and 60s. So it was a parody of that. It's pre-Columbine. Um, shortly after, or after Columbine, she said she couldn't imagine performing it. She shelved it. But um, it was just in 2017 that she turned it into a musical and was starring <laughs> in it in L.A. It was a short run in a theater well, well, in Los Once Angeles. again, though, theater is for adults, yeah. not for kids. So... And you have to physically go there to see it. So I'm okay with that. But I don't think you could release that song today and it would be on the radio. You would be relegated to the dollar bin in the back of the store, basically. Mm. Yeah. No matter how good it is. Yeah. And the video, which is intended to be parody and funny, it does, it's a woman running around with a gun shooting Mm -hmm. at her her fellow students. Well, there's a lot of that going on in the 80s with the... 
gun violence and stuff and videos and songs. So yeah, unfortunately, but because we just talked about uh, Sid and Nancy, yeah, the big My Way video in that movie, he shoots the audience. So yeah, yeah, in dueling decades, we you're right, we brought up Sid and Nancy, and yep, that's in Sid and Nancy. All right, I got a couple more, and um, yes, here we go. Um, so here's here's a sh- short one. That might surprise you. This this always struck me as odd. Wang Chung, 1984, Dance Hall Days. Now, this is one of those ones where a lot of the lyrics people get wrong, but this is definitely said in the song. Take your baby by the hair. Pull her close, and there, there, there. Take your baby by the ears and play upon, upon her darkest fears. Hmm. So it sounds like it may be borderline violence of some kind. Again, I shouldn't say it sounds like. He says, he's suggesting you grab your partner, whether it's a man or a woman, by the hair, pull them close mm-hmm. to you, and then whisper something in the ear, I guess, that will terrify them? Yeah, I'm going to go with that's inappropriate. <laughs> but once again, it's so vague. Yeah. I mean, it's not really vague, but well, in a, in a sense, he didn't actually say what you're supposed to say. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and maybe also what you're sort of getting at is like what you said before. You may not have realized that was in there. Oh, I wouldn't have known that was in there. I mean, I might have only realized it as an adult, you know, sort of mm-hmm. trying to figure out the lyrics. So now knowing these things about the lyrics, I'm saying they couldn't be popular today. And I'm talking about on the, on the radio, whatever Correct. that means. They could not be top 40 hits today. But do we feel okay still listening to them? Can we sing Don't Stand So Close to Me, Hot for Teacher? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're just inappropriate. Yeah. They're still catchy. <laughs> okay, so those are those lists. Mm-hmm. And uh, in just a moment, we'll be right back with our guest, the front man of Ape Fight himself, Mr. Don Ape. Once again, it's time for... Our guest today is the eponymous frontman for the band Ape Fight. Their discography, which includes their 2010 album Take Me to Your Beaver, is a collection of songs influenced by various musical genres, including rock, punk, and 60s doo-wop. The subject of their tracks, which include Where's Your Balls and Knee Deep in Beaver, often reveals matters only discussed privately among men, and thoughts most wouldn't dare utter out loud. Their lyrics are often edgy and risque, while also being thoroughly entertaining. Their song, You Think We Suck, is featured in the 2006 Justin Long film, Accepted. And although we don't chat nearly as often as we should, I've known our guest since the fourth grade. Please welcome to the show, Don Ape. How you doing, Don? I'm doing well. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Ray. Oh, yeah. And, and by the way, Don, I go, by, I go by Will now. And I have for a long t- I have for a few years now. And also... No kidding. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah, you know, um, I was thinking about you. Uh, funny thing came up. I was teaching you how to tackle a couple of decades ago. <laughs> Football tackle. Yeah. I was, I, was, I was wondering how that's coming along. Yeah, great. You know, we kind of talked about that almost on an episode of our show. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. Because what I remember is, Ray was talking, what's that kind of tackle you were telling me about, Ray? Uh, the Eric Turner spear tackle, where you just oh. lower your head and just run straight at them and dive vertical. Yeah. Yeah. Or horizontal and just spear them. So... I didn't say who taught me, but I was like, that's how I, when we would play with my friends, I was told to tackle. And I think you called it um, dive bombing or something <laughs> like that. I think you got that right, man. Dive bombing. Yeah, now I've got the uh, brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us. 
So earlier on the show, uh, Ray and I were discussing songs from the 1980s that wouldn't fly today. So knowing, being familiar with Ape Fight's music, uh, and knowing that you're an 80s kid, I thought it would be perfect to talk to you about how the 80s may have influenced you, or, or, or maybe not. Sure. So uh, just to take it a, ba- a step back, when did you first start writing music? Ah, uh, wow. I think uh, later in life, I think, uh, after college, I started hanging out with bands. Yeah, it wasn't until after college, and then it was out of kind of necessity. You know, I became the, uh, the front man of uh, Ape Fight. So. so Ape Fight was an established band, and you say out of necessity, what was the, what was the need? They, just, they didn't have a singer, or they lost a singer? No, I guess, you know, I could give a quick backstory. You know, I might explain, like, I'm, I'm kind of like a half musician. I'm more of like a, a front man of a band, and I'm, I'm even in bands by accident, I would say, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I started hanging out with friends, and those friends were nice and nice enough to let us, you know, jam on their equipment when they weren't in various rooms and houses. Yeah. And uh, I just gravitated towards the microphone and started, uh, you know, trying to make everyone laugh enough that they would want to do it again. So and that just grew into, you know, the lepers first, and then uh, eight five. So, so yeah, and then songwriting was just. You know, let me remember this joke or, yeah, so, you know, that's it, that sort of thing. So what you're saying is your version of songwriting is just telling jokes that rhyme. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That needed to be distilled. <laughs> it's a pretty deep band, you know. <laughs> now, I wonder why, though, it would be, um, I mean, certainly a lot of people don't come into themselves or something until later in life. You know, I'm pushing 50 and still figuring out what I want to do when I grow up. But um, did you feel that you were a creative person prior to that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, I don't know if anyone writes poems anymore, but I, I had like a book of poems, you know, when I first showed up to these jams, you know, and I think, but, and you know, not much else, you know, expressively, you know, no, I didn't draw or, you know, play any instruments really, you know, that came later. Yeah. I think there's an art to telling a joke too, but. I'm also not a comedian, so <laughs> I don't know. So, so far, you've told us a lot of things that you're not. <laughs> it's like the opposite of finding out about you. <laughs> I was there. I, I was there. I'm in photos. So certainly, though, um, you know, so you may not have been um, or considered yourself. Um, don't you don't consider yourself a musician now or half musician? <laughs> uh, but um, I know you're an '80s kid. Sure. You were. Were you into music though? But prior to being in a band? Oh, absolutely. For sure, you know, in love with it, you know, passionate. Any particular particular genres or, or groups that you gravitated towards? Because certainly, Ape Fight has a, you know, I don't want to say a distinct sound. It's very unique. The, the, the all well, now it sounds like I'm trashing Ape Fight. Invited you want to say your music things? No, we love Ape Fight. Thank you. Um, and I'm thinking in particular about uh, Take Me to Your Beaver. For me, and I think I've told you this before. Um, one of the things I like so much about it is it seems new, but at the same time, it has these elements of things I was familiar with. And maybe it's just because I'm an 80s kid. It reminded me a lot of groups in the 80s that I was fond of. So are there, were there groups in, in the 1980s that you were, that in particular, big the big bands for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, and, uh, you know, at the time, there's, there's a lot of hip-hop going around. Yeah. So, you know, any of the early hip-hop, I think, is an influence. Uh, you know, I try to remember what I like then and what I like now, and that's from the 80s. At the time, I think I liked The Smiths and The Cure, you know, like General Public. Oh, yeah. You know, I like the stuff that, you know, fun, bouncy stuff, dancey stuff, like, you know, whatever's on the radio. I didn't, I didn't own much. 
I weigh our records, you know. But. So earlier today, Ray and I were talking about uh, hit songs from the 1980s that wouldn't fly today because yeah. uh, their lyrics, the content is, is may have been considered risque then, but would be you know, flat out controversial today. And so they, they wouldn't make it into mainstream, you know, radio, whatever that, however that may exist today. Now, thinking about Ape Fight, you know, and many of the songs that we love, um, again, you know, have somewhat risque, you know, content. Um, so... Today, they probably wouldn't fly, even though the music is great, the lyrics and the melodies are really catchy. They may have been, you know, hits in the 1980s, but it seems to me, and you know, you can tell me if, if you think this is fair or not, that you're not even, you're not worried about writing hits. You're like, you, you know, you're just worried about entertaining your, yourself first and, and foremost. Do you agree? Uh, for sure. Yeah, I think it was kind of born out of uh, being, uh, trying to insult the, the bands that, you know, we were seeing when we were going out, you know, the clubs and stuff. Everyone was kind of posing and prancing around and acting very important. Right. Like the stage, you know, the stage was like a wall, you know, it became like, you know, it's us and we're up here. And don't you want to be like this beautiful, and, right. you know, the party after and, and all that. And, you know, trying to, my perspective was, you know, let's try to make fun of this a little bit. Yeah. You know, I don't want to explain it too much, but, you know, come off as, you know, maybe scary or, or approachable or just yeah. anything so goes. And your concept was to tear down the, the barrier between you and the audience and say, hey, we're all the same and we're all just going to party together and you don't want to be like us, you just want to hang out with us. I think so. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's all just music, you know, let's all party and let's laugh, let loose a little. You know, I think that's interesting, though, um, but then considering, you know, anybody who's familiar with Ape Fight, and if you don't know Ape Fight, you should definitely check them out, um, is that the Ape Fight wears masks. Do you wear, uh, certainly on your albums and photos, do you wear masks when you perform as well? Yes, definitely. You know, the first 90, the 90% until it gets too hot. <laughs> 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 whipped, whipped off. <laughs> because so much heat is held in right around the eyes. So, <laughs> My just, socks, too. This makes oh, okay. me think of Zorro halfway through a, a fight, just going, it's too goddamn hot. I'm taking this mask off. <laughs> Screw it. I'm done. Somebody <laughs> or other. Um, so, but this idea that you wanted to break down the barrier, it seems to me, you know, maybe playing counterpoint here, that isn't the, the, the masks maybe con- creating a separation where, you know, we are still different than you? Well, that's a great question, isn't it? And we'll be right back. <laughs> just kidding. You know me? Yeah. I guess so, but in order to really, you know, to less fly, you know, yeah. I guess it's easier to be Donnie than it is to be Lewis, you know. Yes. Yeah, we try. We have an image as one and, and not as another. Now, see, I, I so, assume the mask were to represent that all the band members were in it together hmm. and one entity. Yeah. That's how kind of I saw the, the mask. Yeah, they're all just apes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I imagine the concert, the crowd would also have masks. Yeah, we handed them out, oh. you know, and gave, and gave them and gave them away when we gave away our CDs. You know, we used to wear stockings too, but you know the the origin <laughs> the origin of the stockings and the mask is also not you know thought out this deep. It was that some of the guys are in some of the bands, I guess, that we wanted to make fun of, and oh. so they wouldn't play with us if anyone. So they wouldn't play with us at first because we were kind of terrible-ish. So they were like, we would do it if I were like, what if we wore stockings on our heads? Would you do it? And they were like, okay, we'll do it if we wore stockings on our heads. So then, <laughs> so we wore stockings on our heads and then 
that kind of worked for getting, you know, making it kind of crazy and batty. So I've seen some of those photos, and my first thought was, it's got to be hard to perform with those stockings. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine the vision's all that great or the breathing. Yeah, the guitarist can play. <laughs> That's for sure. Because it needs to look down at his fingers. <laughs> they, they hate all the math. So, so yeah, and you're, so you're talking about uh, you feel greater freedom also in the anonymity that you're able to be a character versus yourself. Um, yeah. You know, it, it makes me wonder, I guess, and what does that say about, now I'm getting deep here, what does it say about our society, though, that you have to use a persona to be, I don't want to say yourself, because maybe, maybe you don't, maybe some of the material that the, you know, in some of these songs or this persona is not you, but it's part of you, of course, um, some yeah. part of you. What does it say about our society? I'm looking at Ray too to chime in if he has a response that we'd have to create another character to be able to be who we are. I guess what? Okay, I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna pause. Okay. Well, it, like I said before, um, for me, the creation of an onstage persona is who you want to be. Like Don pointed out earlier, he did it to counteract what he saw, so he created another character yeah. that was different from the characters they were on stage, and they were probably fake too. Most musicians, they have the onstage and the offstage persona, and the ones who don't are dead at 27. <laughs> you cannot live the lifestyle that you portray on stage got... and survive. <laughs> You're right. We, we were guzzling you know, bottles of alcohol during shows. He's, he's 100% right. Cannot keep that up. That's why we only have 20-minute sets. In <laughs> <laughs> the beginning, the show is fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, is uh, is part is part of having the persona too to um, so you can go to work every day and still have a job? Probably that's probably a good portion of it. <laughs> Although I found out that's silly too. Most of the work people find it you know find it funny as well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know. This is a this is a tough question for me. You know, I guess now that now that you're putting it to me, I'm like, why do I need a mask to go? <laughs> well, also crazy. Yeah. But everyone knows I'm crazy to begin with. So yes, like... but the alias helps you avoid lawsuits also. <laughs> Cl- club owners have a hard time suing Don Ape. That's true. Yeah, and I could, yeah. It's easier to just use a fake name. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun. <laughs> and don't take anything Ray says as legal advice. <laughs> what you, that's that is good legal advice. And off the air, I can say why. This is. <laughs> I think I know what story you're going to tell. All right, I'm not changing um, Will, although you feel free to change your name whenever you want. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's liberating. You know, when I started going, <laughs> when I started going by Will, it really did have a. It was kind of a thing for me where I felt like. I don't know. It was more my. I don't want to say it was more my son. That that doesn't make any sense. There's no B in William. That's what it came down to. It makes no sense. Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, Damn. So, um, why so little music from Ape Fight? It, you know, it seems like uh, I know. I think it was on your on your uh, website. It says, uh, "Are we going to make me more music?" I, I'm asking because we don't know, or I don't know. Um, it seems like uh, we have to wait so long and just wonder if we're going to get more ape fights. You know, your, your last uh, album, Take Me to Your Beaver, I thought was such a, I don't want to say a leap, but it was definitely, you know, showed a lot of growth in the group, um, sound-wise and material-wise and just sort of the whole package. Um, we've been anxiously awaiting for something else, but it's been a while. Why does it, uh, it will there be more ape fight music? That is a fant- another fantastic question. <laughs> well, <laughs> we only ask the hard-hitting questions here at uh, our show. You know, the, we do put a lot of work into it. it. may not sound like it, but 
you know, we put a lot of put a lot of work in the six of us, and we're all not only are we apes, but we're alpha apes. <laughs> so as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that every inch of ground is full of blood and sweat. It's actually like a real you group know, so. of apes where the, the strongest eventually gets to decide the song. Yeah, it's, it it really is, and it gets it gets it gets primal. I hate all these puns. And <laughs> that, it's worth it, you know, because it, it does uh it does squeeze out only the good stuff, like a lot of you know bullshit and stuff doesn't get through. There's a, yep. there's a tough filter for that. So that's one of the reasons for length, and at this point, there's a little geography. We're all a little, you know, an hour or so here and there apart. Sure. You know, but uh, I think there is new music. Okay, that's I can't exciting. say that. I yeah. think there is, uh, and now this is, uh, you know, this is good, because this is putting uh, putting to the fire, too. There's, uh, there's stuff in the can, and there's, a, there's some Very stuff good. written. I hope that, uh, I think this will do it. I think uh, <laughs> it will put it out. You know, there's no reason not to. We played a show this year, and it was it was pretty successful and uh, a lot of fun. So I think we're going to do two more shows, and you know, that usually that usually begets more songs recorded. You know, yeah, yeah. Bray and I had hoped to go to the Philly show, but we were not able to make it. Nah, uh, it was going to be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> that would be some surprise. Um, <laughs> like I said, I was going to drive to I was going to drive to Cleveland and knock on your door for this. <laughs> that would have been. A, that would have been oh my surprise. gosh! I probably would have had a heart attack. Yeah, I was I was pretty sure when we tried to get a hold of you just now. We were having technical problems that I was just being punked. And I thought is this like a thirty year old, a thirty year prank in the works? Oh my god! I had so many pranks prepared for this, and then I remembered it's not live. <laughs> and I was like, ah, they're just gonna they're just gonna edit everything out. I tried. <laughs> hey, if it's good, we'll leave it in. All right, I'm gonna pull the fire alarm then. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, since we have a musician on the on the line here, Ray, nice. and you know, we're talking about somewhat about eighty. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, that uh, you know, again, an '80s child like ourselves. I'm going to ask Don a controversial question. We talked about punk rock a few episodes ago, yeah. and I didn't realize Ray's Ray's opinions would elicit such uh, controversy. But would you cons- are you familiar with punk rock at all? Are you a fan of punk rock? I mean, there, would you? Well, right. Do you think uh, there's any punk sort of vibe to Ape Fight? <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. Ape Fight's definitely got some punk vibe. Yeah, especially when you start looking at the lyrics. Would you consider Ape Fight's pump having influenced by punk groups, Don? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think hearing, learning of punk afterwards, you know, for to some degree. Like I said, I think lyrics wise was probably hip hop. You know more than punk for me. I wasn't too familiar. Yeah. You know with uh, the punk bands that I am now, and I know that you know to know a great. You know, I like the Buzzcocks a lot. Oh, that's a good band. Yeah. So then you may not be able to you may not be able to settle this controversial question, but uh, the Sorry. thing that most uh, elicited uh, people's uh, reactions was when Ray said that the Clash was not a punk band. Right. Thoughts? I, I could kind of see that. Yeah. You know, I could see that. Because and being more rock and roll and the production level being, you know, so pro and whew, tough one, Ray. Yeah. I think, Hey, if you go with me on this one, there's going to be a lot of angry people with you, but <laughs> oh, yeah? I can explain it as this. Oh, I okay. I got into punk rock in 1985. So they were against everything from 76 to 85. And all I knew of them was rock the cash bar. And, um, <laughs> should I stay or should I go at that time? So right. not really, not really punk to me. So, 
I could see that. Um, I, I know this is going off the rails now, and I know that uh, I don't know if this will this has any relevance to anybody other than me telling you this since I've you know since we're friends. I was telling Ray earlier how we were altar boys together, yeah. briefly, because you were an altar boy for a long time. I think I was an altar boy for one service, <laughs> and you had to carry that cross down, you know, and that, that thing was heavy, and my 12-year-old lithe arms were not strong enough uh, to hold it. I remember by the time I got to the steps at the altar, my arms were like shaking. I can't keep this a foot off the ground anymore. And the bottom of it hit the first step and a bong rang out throughout the church. And I was like, I'm getting fired. I'm just going to have to quit before I get fired. Oh, Jesus, give me strength. (laughs) I wasn't praying. You're right. That was the problem. Yeah, instead of teaching him how to tackle, you should have been teaching him, like, arm day at the gym. Now you know why I had to die with my entire body. I wasn't stiff-arming anybody. My arms would have snapped. Oh, man. Do we have any other good questions for Don while we've got him here? How exciting was it when you guys found out your song was going to be in a movie? Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, That was, uh, we played played an open mic in, uh, in New York. And we signed up as a bunch of names, you know, on the papers you would do so you get up. And that place on Sixth Street, I forgot the name of it, but it just closed. Hmm. But um and uh, they someone happened to show up and see us play our two songs under the name of Cham. And then uh they became a fan and saw a few shows and then found a way to, to crowbar a, a song into a movie. I think they wrote the screenplay, so that helped. Oh wow. And then yeah, that was so exciting. I mean we literally thought we'd have you know, ten fans, and we, you know, and could care less. You know, <laughs> we would, like I said, just we were really filling rent space on rehearsal studios. Like they didn't have enough guys to pay for the whole thing. So, like, oh, would you pay a sixth of this? I'd be like, oh, sure. Right. You know, might as well do something. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was super exciting, and there was, uh, you know, some money that we blew immediately. <laughs> <laughs> So there's no legacy from that at all. Um, did you actually go and see it in a theater and like get goosebumps? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I don't think we realized it would open the movie nah. you know, like it did. So the first, you know, hearing, you know, hearing that, hearing the song start off the movie is pretty exciting. I think we went together like a bunch of goofballs. <laughs> <laughs> we probably sat. We probably sat at like two seats between us all. <laughs> <laughs> down the line. <laughs> hey, did you hear that? For folks who don't know, we're talking about uh, the 2006 movie Accepted. Uh, the Ape Fight has a oh, their song. You think we suck? Opens the film. Do you think that Ape Fight is responsible for its 37 percent on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, 37 is the prime number. I'm happy with that. Yeah, and I thought uh, it would have been much lower. If yeah, I was going to say, fight. without Ape Fight, it'd be 22, <laughs> yeah. 23 maybe. Oh, that's appreciated. That's, that's I do think that, um, you know, again, Take Me to Your Beaver, um, so many songs on there, I don't know why they're not also featured in films. There's so And, and maybe it's... Maybe they're not making the movies that would have it, but they feel like songs that could have been in 80s films that, you know, we love. I agree. Um, and I'm just surprised that uh, they're not. Maybe it's, you know, maybe we just got to make sure more people find out about it because um, mm-hmm. they're that good. I appreciate that, man. I really do. And, uh, yeah, so they'll be, <laughs> it's time well wasted. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a shout-out? Can I get an 80s shout-out, yeah. please, while I'm, on, while I'm on the 80s podcast? Definitely. 
I'd like to give a shout out. I'd like to give a shout out to the far side. <laughs> I'd also like to give a shout out to Calvin Hobbs. <laughs> The Far Side's coming back. I just saw. I think it's the Far Side. It yeah, it's be, coming yeah. back. Yeah, I saw a little. I saw a little drip yeah. of that. That's that's exciting. Yeah, that's my favorite. That might be my my. If I had to pick one '80s thing to bring with me into space, I think I would bring the Far Side. <laughs> <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna have to be a question we put our guests from now on. Yeah, we'll have to ask people that. Your Plan B Earth '80s thing. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, with that, we'll encourage everybody to check out Ape Fight, and we thank you, Don, for spending time with us today. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Ray. Great time. Wish you the best of luck. All right. So what did we learn today, Ray? We talked a lot about uh, controversial songs from the 80s and whether they'd fly today, and we talked to a frontman of a group that, like he said, hey, he doesn't care you know, if his songs would be controversial or hits or not. He writes mm-hmm. what he feels, what's entertaining for him. What have we learned about the 80s? Well, I think we have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that if those songs were released today, we'd all be singing them and just not even know they were offensive. These The songs here are Ape Fight. And Ape Fight. And Ape Fight. Yeah, Yeah, why not? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I agree. You know, you're right. Makes me think if Ape Fight had released back then, it would have been huge. Yeah, well... Not every song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they might have been able to sneak uh, a bike seat through the yeah. uh, sensors on the radio. Not where is mescaline? Nah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, we'll talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.